0: Hi there, this is Winnell, and you are listening to Blended and Flourishing Families podcast. You are in the right place if you're a step parent or connected to a step family, and you want to gain insight in how to achieve harmony in your family, which is what the blended and blended and flourishing represents. In here, there will be some real conversation about step parent challenges, challenges that step kids and bio kids encounter and challenges that bio parents experience as well as the importance and benefits of step parenting with God. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and I would love for you to leave a rating as well. Now that we've gotten all caught up, let's chat. To have Alex Montrose here with us today. Um, I think he's our first um, stepdad that we are having on the podcast so far. So, And one of the things that we're talking about, you know, we're in February, we'll focus on love and we'll focus on relationship and the importance of couple making time for themselves and making sure that they're pouring into their relationship and not just focusing on all of the challenges that can come along in um, a step family. So um, Alex, I'm going to give it over to you so you can go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Winnell. I appreciate it. And when you reached out to me, i was I was ecstatic, especially as you were talking about your journey and like, hey, I wanted to bring in uh, another perspective around like what on the dad side of things, the stepdad side of things. So I'm excited. So my name again, Alex Montrose. I am just a quick overview of my my life. Uh, was born in Miami, raised in Las Vegas. Um, I got married at the tender age of I had just turned twenty one. And when I got married, my, my previous, my first wife, she had three kids. So, and we had a baby on the way. Okay. So by the time I was 21, I already had, I was, had four kids and, uh, and the ages were from, you know, six, seven, all the way down to three and then uh, the newborn. So let me tell you, like talk about pressure. That was some pressure at that young of age. Right. So, um, went through that journey really quick. And then, um, you know, that I stayed, we stayed married for gosh, almost, almost 10 years, give or take. And, uh, we had two kids that were ours. Uh, so my oldest is 20 and I have a 20 year old daughter and I have a 17 year old son. He'll be 18 this year. And my stepkids for my, and I hate even saying that because they're my kids, they still look at me as they're pretty much their dad. Um, they are, uh, from twenty seven all the way down to twenty four so I mean the age range is a span so that that was in the you know that first ten years of my married married journey unfortunately ended in divorce and then you know the, for a lot of reasons got remarried in two thousand and thirteen to my wife now we've been married almost nine years. we have two kids uh, Five and seven, and I have a stepdaughter uh, from her previous marriage, and she's 15. So in all, in the last almost 20 years, yeah, 20 years, uh, I've raised or been a father to eight kids. So it's been uh, it's been a wild ride in two marriages. So I've learned I learned a lot in my 20s, and I said, okay, these are lessons I'm not going to take over into my 30s in my second marriage. And let me tell you, those lessons learned have enabled me to flourish. In these last nine years, we've been together, my wife and I. 11 years give or take and we've been married almost nine so so just give you a quick snapshot of uh, and i live currently right now in gilbert arizona
0: oh that's awesome i lived in arizona for a while i lived in um phoenix oh yeah cool Uh, yeah i got my master's out there from arizona state university
1: okay very cool it's,
0: it's awesome because you said you started this at 21 yeah. And I used to think I started young. Cause I believe my husband and I, we got married when I was 26, 25, 26. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is young to go from one kid to five kids. <laughs> and hearing you say you started at 21, wow.
1: Yeah. It was uh, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> you know, I I will not recommend it. Uh, you know, it was just a thing of um yeah, I don't, I don't have any regrets because there was a lot of valuable lessons learned. I believe God is using the, like whatever happened and the, the good, the bad, everything in between to help now people that are in that same journey and trying to figure it out. So I do believe uh, nothing is wasted. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be used for good. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of pain. Uh, it was hard. Thankfully, um, you know, we were able to, do, we did pretty well, actually, considering all things. I mean, we, financially, we did well. Uh, I've always been a person that's kind of entrepreneurial, always doing some things. And, you know, by 23, we bought our first home, my my first wife and I. And by two years later, we got into our second home. We had all the nice stuff. And, and then the crash of 08 came. And that was really the, turn, the downturn. Uh, you know, we, we literally lost everything. We went bankrupt. I mean, it was just, we pretty much lost it all. And we ended up moving to Washington. And by that time, our marriage was already on the rocks. So that we thought that, you know, hey, let's get out of Las Vegas and go into this new, you know, kind of world over here and see, you know, what happens. And we moved to Bellevue, Washington. We started our, a new life there. And that lasted a couple more years. And then by that time, you know, we, had, we, we decided it was, you know, it was just, it was over pretty much. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was like I said, I don't recommend it. 26 to 27, I think is a good age to like do it, to get started. I tell my kids, I'm like, do not take my route guys. Like it, do not take my route. You're not built for it. I'm telling you, you're not ready for that. Do not do 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 it. So yeah, it it was, it was good times and, and, and tough times at the same time.
0: Yeah. And it's awesome how you have just put all of your experiences together. And now, you know, you're out there and you're helping and you're teaching men the things that you learned from your personal experience. And so for you, um, was there ever a time in your current marriage um, where you felt like maybe you and your spouse were drifting apart? If so, what did that look like? And what did you guys do to strengthen the relationship?
1: Such a good, uh, that's a good question. So to strengthen, all right, did we ever feel... You know, marriage is, is it, it's, it, you got to tend to it like a garden, you know, and we all know, we hear it, you know, we hear these sayings, oh, you got to tend to your marriage, but you really got to tend to it so that it doesn't ever, it doesn't die at the root. And then, you know, what was built was lost. Right. And I learned that in my previous marriage I said, okay, in this new marriage, I'm not, I need to, I want to make sure that I go into this marriage with eyes wide open And we had initially we had conversations at the very beginning of our of our dating life. And we said uh, at the time, you know, I was like, hey, I can't marry anybody that's not a believer. So that was one thing that I established early on because I wanted to be equally yoked. And so that whenever we had disagreements or anything, we we would come from a place of understanding and a foundation of like our our belief system. Right. And I think that's key. I think a lot of people, if, if you're if you're unequally yoked, you're always going to be off somewhere from a belief system, and it's not to say that we don't have differences. We do, of course. We're different people. We're human, right? So we have differences in the way we view the world. But once we have that foundation, that enabled us to always let that be the anchor for where we go back to to make sure that we stay on that solid ground. So over the course of our last nine years, we've been together, like I guess, like I said, roughly about eleven years. Uh, of course, we've had those moments where we felt. Like we weren't connected. And a lot of it had to do with, I think, lack of communication and expectation setting. So, if there was ever a time where we were, and I'll talk specifically to like parenting stepkids, if we ever had a moment where we were in a disagreement around how I needed to father her, you know, her daughter, and vice versa. If we didn't come together and say, hey, are you going to honor my decision when I make it for your child and vice versa? And if you're not going to honor it, we need to have a conversation before that happens in the sense of, and I think a lot of, a lot of blended families go through this, where one parent, even normal, without blended family, like a normal marriage goes through this, where one, you tell you tell one child, "Hey, you can't do this," or whatever the case is. You give a, you give a direction of what can and can't be done. The other parent comes in and says, "Oh no, you can." Right? And we've we've struggled with that over the years, and that was something that we finally had to sit down and say because we were starting to we were starting that that was a part of a that was created division in, into our marriage, and we realized, okay, we got to pause and okay, what is the expectation here? How are we going to make sure that when I communicate something to any of our kids, you're on the same page? Well, it's a two-way road, right? I need to be able to not only just communicate to the child, but also communicate it to her in advance so she knows what I'm communicating so that we don't get into this weird, awkward conflict that we could have resolved very easily. So that's been one. Um, And we will resolve it by it's funny. So, my wife is. I don't know how a lot of the people listening to this, but my, here's how my wife will. I know when something's wrong when she just shuts down. And I don't, I'm like, huh, it's off. She's off. Something's off. The next morning, it's off. Everything just seems like, and I know now, I'm like, okay, something's not right. And then I'm like, hey, we're, uh, and this took some time to get there, by the way, because I would just let it ride. For months not realizing my god because i'm the kind of person that like something happens i just keep moving my wife's different she'll sit on it and she will like <laughs> she reminds me without reminding me that something's off and i'm like okay so throughout the years i realized okay if i don't once i notice that that was a red flag i said okay something's off we need to have a conversation let me let me share i'll share with you something today today i got a text message my wife said hey I feel like something's off did I do something if I did I apologize and let's talk about it now, now mind you nothing happened like we're just really busy right now and I've been so focused on work and I, I got a lot of projects going on but she started sensing it for me and I had a responder and said no hey babe, everything's good like I'm just busy just things going on so tonight we'll talk about kind of what's going on but that came from like a few years of really understanding each other and how we how we hold things internally. And then being, I think, more astute to understanding, okay, at what point in time do we now know something's off and ask the question versus ignoring it. So that's been one key thing. Like we gotta be bold in asking when something's wrong with our spouses to make sure that we don't allow the family to crumble because everything layers on top of that, the challenges of the kids, and uh the work life you got everything and before you know it, all this weight just keeps pressed on press press on the marriage and then the marriage starts to crumble so i know that's a long-winded answer but communication constant communication and understanding when you feel that something's off there's a gut check you need to actually pay attention to that and really kind of address it immediately and not let it sit
0: i can completely relate i am like your wife um so and I used to it's something that I've worked through but shutting down for me was my if I'm upset I'm frustrated I didn't know how to communicate my feelings because I grew up um, not expressing how I felt and holding it in. And so, and that spilled over in my marriage because I never worked on that before I got married. And so if my husband did something that upset me or he made a decision that I didn't agree with, instead of me telling him how I felt and us talking about it, I would shut down. And he noticed that about me and he too did the same thing. And he actually helped me get to the point where now if he irritates me, (laughs) I can easily tell him.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we tend to do that. We tend to do that. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And I love the communicating about the children and how you guys can raise them because um, you guys are both parents to them. And so something that we did in the beginning for us, um, because for the first Almost two years when my husband and I was married, we lived apart. He was in Jersey and I was in Arizona and I was still in graduate school at the time. And so when I moved to New Jersey and we finally formed our family where we were all under the same roof, something before the kids even came over, we sat down. And we talked. We talked about how we wanted to discipline the kids, about raising the kids, and we came up with house rules. So that when the kids came over, we had a family meeting and we went over those house rules. Yeah, and so yeah. we just continue that throughout our relationship, and we check in with one another. So, for example, if the kids did something that you know I didn't agree with, um, I wouldn't necessarily just punish them right away. Um, of course, I would tell them, you know, hey, stop doing that. That's you know inappropriate. Whatever it is. Um, but if it weren't a punishment, it wouldn't be something that I would give out right away. Mm-hmm. I would talk to my husband, hey, this is what happened. Then we agree upon the punishment and then we talk to the kids. Yeah, so I yeah. love that idea about communication.
1: I love it. I love it. I, I'm 100% aligned. And that's what helped me in my. So, you know, I go back to like I had two, I have had two seasons as a father. One was in my 20s when it was, I felt like I was a kid raising kids. I didn't know anything. I did my best you know, uh, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, my kids have it way too good now. The little ones, like they're living like their best life. And, and the older ones are like, why do they get to the do? And we're like, guys, you realize when I was raising you, I was like 22, 23. Like, I didn't know anything. So just know, like, they're dealing with a debt. I'm 41 now. So they're dealing with a dad that like, you know, I'm a little bit more mature. I know. I also know a lot of the things I used to think were a big deal aren't a big deal. I used to always think like, oh, that's such a big deal. And the more older I'm getting, like, I really overvalued a lot of these things that aren't that. They're not that big of a deal, and, and I'm a lot more patient now. But in my first season as a, as a dad step, and a stepdad, we didn't set those expectations. We, we We were like building the plane as we were flying. So as things happened, then we realized like, oh, we should have talked about this, but we never were, preempt- we are never were like preemptively fixing things. It was always reactive. In the, this marriage, now we went in with eyes wide open. We, same thing with you, like we said, okay, how are we going to discipline our kids? Like, and when I say discipline, I don't mean we're not going to go out and beat them or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Like, what are going to be the appropriate punishments for when, when they're valid, when things like, hey, when they get grounded, when whatever the case is. And how are we going to um, make sure that we're on the same page for values and teaching them and raising them with the right values that we're both aligned to, and as well as having family meetings? And I'm going to touch a little bit on that later on, but I think that's really key. Family meetings is so critical to success in a family. And it gets overlooked. It doesn't happen. Think about how many, a lot of people listening to this go to a job every day. Every Monday, they might have a family meeting or I'm sorry, a a team meeting, sorry, my bad, a team meeting, right, so they have a team meeting to talk about strategies, things, whatever it is, for work, every week, they're having some kind of team meeting, they go home, and there's never, like, a, a collaboration of the family, but yet, we have all these things that we do in the work life that we don't think that they translate actually into the family, a lot of it does, And there's structure and there's all these things that are very intentional in work. But when we come home, sometimes we're disorganized. We're unintentional with how we raise our kids. We're unintentional with how we communicate with our spouses. And then we wonder why things aren't working because we're not intentional. And that's a big message for especially the the, the dads out there, stepdads, is living an intentional and a purpose-driven life that you can really dive all in on, and making sure that every interaction you have, there's some purpose and intention behind it, you know, whether it's dinner, right, you don't have your phone, you know, like there's no, you know, having conversations at the dinner table so that you can connect, because that might be the only time, you, they got probably a lot of busy moms and dads out there that, that might be the only time they actually connect with their kids, and guess what, God bless them, like I get it, if they're working hard, and they, they have long schedules, and long you know, just whatever it is, like, because they have to provide it. They're got, they have to work within the world that they have right now. Right. And sometimes it's literally at the dinner table is the only time they're going to really connect and maybe putting the kids to bed. And I know a lot of couples that are in that position. So they take as much energy as they can to really be intentional with even the small time because a quantity, the time of quantity doesn't always equate to like quality. I would rather have good quality time with my children. And having just a bunch of quantity time that i'm not really focused or uh present you know so being present all those things we agreed that we wanted to be for our family early on we even created like a family mission statement all this stuff and that helped us kind of guide us along the way
0: that's awesome and just the fact that your first um you know experience at being a dad and step that helped you and prepare you for your next chapter in life yeah. Um, I was blessed enough where mine was from school. So I um I have my master's in social work and I, I certify in child welfare. And so and I worked in that field. So thank God <laughs> I was able to get some of those knowledge yeah, that end up yeah. helping my family. Um, and so for you, what is your view on prioritizing the children, you know, over the relationship? Are there pros and cons to that?
1: Yes, there's pros and cons. Here, here's the way I view it. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna say this in a way that I think will be the most beneficial. So I, I believe that if and I'm speaking if, if there's if there's parents out there, blended families right now that have been married, let's say less than a year. We'll start there and then we'll go beyond that. Less than a year, I would prioritize. Uh, of course, you never over the marriage, like you we all we all, I think we we can all rest on this, that it's, it's like God, it's faith, it's family and work, you know, really kind of, you kind of go down that path, right? So we know that it's marriage. The marriage is always the, the, the anchor and the the foundation for the family. So you got, you got to tend to that. That's never going to go away. But in the first years, the first year, I would say really putting the kids as a priority to build trust is so is key to a long-term successful marriage and relationship with your kids. And here's why. We were talking before this call about kind of some of our journeys about, you know, um, we were talking about how, um, you know, sometimes we fall in love with, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. And then you get married, you know, they have kids or you have kids. And then it's an afterthought. Then people get married and they're all saying, okay, like, oh, now the honeymoon phase goes away. And then real life kicks in, the, the conflicts like, oh, man, I don't like that. Every time this person goes, you know, they leave their towel on the floor. I mean, the little things, right, start to add up. You're like, I didn't realize I moved in with this person that does things differently than I do things. And now I have to I have to adjust. So you're not only dealing with adjustment of how you're going to spend your life together with this one person, but now compound that with the kids. Right. And how difficult. You're dealing with, especially with schedules and the other parent. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot there they have to figure out. So my, my guidance is that that first year, I would say hone in on the kids and like build trust with the kids. Because the faster you build trust with your stepchildren, the faster they, they believe that they can trust you and that you're, you're for them and not against them, the, strength, the stronger your marriage is going to be. Because your wife, speaking to men here, your wife is going to appreciate that. They'll be like, man, like this guy really loves my kids. Like I can see him going all in and really trying to connect and be a part of their lives. Where it goes south is when you put the marriage first and then the kids are always kind of this secondary thing. But think about that. You just got married into a blended family. It's very different from you being married and having your own kids. Because when it's your own kids, like it's one unit. And in our life right now, you know, we, we have right now in the household, so I have my two, one is in college, my older step, my, my first step kids, you know, just to make it kind of clear, they're off, you know, one of them works for our company, she's the oldest, she's 27. Um, and then we have the other two that are, um, you know, they're just living their lives, they have some kids and stuff like that. And then I have my, my first daughter, she's 20, she's off in college. And my son's in back in Bellevue, Washington, and he plays basketball, so he's finishing his season out there. And we go out and visit him. And he comes here. So it's all good. There's no, there's no, uh, we have a good relationship with his mother and all that. And then here at home, we have the two little ones, and we have uh, our 15-year-old, which we pretty much have her fi- uh, full-time from my wife's uh, marriage. When it's the four of us, like just my wife, myself, and the two little ones that are ours, it is a different dynamic. It's like, it's because it's, it's dad and mom and there's nobody in between that has a decision to make on something. It's very different. So they want to see dad and mom, you know, really connected because that gives them security. They're like, oh man, it's good to see dad and mom really all in and connected. And that's not to say we don't do that with stepkids. But on the stepkid side of things, I think there has to be, at least at the initial onset, a a real hard focus and and purpose-driven intent to connect and build trust very fast. The faster you build trust with your stepkids, the faster your marriage will flourish because now your wife starts to trust you because that's their baby. That's her babies, right? I mean, of course she she wants to know like this man I married can lead us well and can be all in for, for all of us, not just me. Being, you know the wife the spouse so i believe on the in the very beginning it's really of course the marriage is priority but you gotta you gotta go a little bit more all in to build that trust and there's many ways to do that and i think the the and again also depends on how old the kids are right if they're young yes is again to their teens probably be some conversations there and a lot of times the older their teens are like you might just be the guy that just came into their lives, and they're like, they have a good relationship, maybe with their their biological dad. Maybe they don't have a good relationship. I don't know, right? So it, it depends there. And sometimes they won't even view you, the older you get, as like their like a parent figure. They might just see you as like, well, that's just mom's husband, you know. And I think at that point, you solidify the marriage, but at the same time, you got to still make that effort to really build trust. I think it might be not as easy depending on how old they are and how independent they are, but do whatever you can to let them know, like, here, I'm not here, um, to change your life, to, you know, tell you what to do and all. I'm here to be a, a, a dad that can support you where I need to. I'm, and I'm here to love on your mom. So, you know, that you, your mom is secure in this marriage and I'm not going anywhere. If you really love your family, that's how you're going to treat it. Um, so hopefully that helps. I, I think it, it just depends. It depends. What what are your thoughts on it on that?
0: So I think um, it's something where, where the misconception is that I see a lot in um, I would just say the step family world, because I have seen this question being debated over a lot of time, and that's why I yeah. asked it is that um prioritizing means that you're neglecting the other. Yes. And I think that's where the misconception you know is at, because um, you're right. Um, you bringing together two families, um, you and your spouse really know each other because you and your spouse has spent a lot of time together, yeah. right? But you don't have that same connection with the children because you haven't had, I mean, for most people, you have not had that time to build that relationship and build that trust factor. So definitely in the beginning, Focusing on the children in the family unit, making sure yeah. that everyone are doing things, you know, together um, and it's not always, for example, me being a stepmom, if my stepkids came over, then it's just them and dad and I'm like left out and even, you know, and I start feeling like I'm not even part of the family because I'm yeah. never yeah. included in anything. So yeah. focusing on bridging the gap between the children and the step yes. so that, yes. that that trust factor can grow and be there. Um, I did a post in my stepmom community today, um, it's called more than a stepmom, because we're going through a 21 days devotional prayer journal that I mm. created for stepmoms It's called when a stepmom prays, keeping your peace and joy in the midst of chaos. And today's topic is um, bonding with stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And so one of the thing I, I said in the comment about is that, Um, a lot of kids will deal with loyalty bond where they feel like if they love the step parent, then it means like they're loving their bio parent less. Sometimes we in a situation Mm -hmm. where um, they might be in a situation where they have other people that is kind of feeding that thought and making them feel like that's true. And then sometimes also kids are distant because that trust is not there between them and their step parent. And they feel like, what their step parent is doing is just because the step parent loves their dad, yeah. or the step parent loves their mom, and so for that reason, that's why they're acting nice and kind to them. So they don't feel like it's authentic, and so they reject it, right? Mm-hmm. So I do agree about making sure to kind of focus on the family as a whole in the beginning, um, but then it also go back to my point where. Um, Focusing on one should not neglect the other because all is needed for the family to flourish. Um, If the relationship is not working, everything is going to fall apart.
1: Yeah, Um, Because
0: like you said, that's the anchor. Um, So, you know, working with your partner to get to a place where you have a routine for your relationship that is not just all about kids and all about work or all about the struggle, but you have um, something set aside for you time. Where, you know, maybe it's this date or this time, or maybe when we wind down and the kids go to sleep, you know, this is our quality time, something, you know, and I think you mentioned this in the beginning of this um, recording is that marriage is work. It's not we're marrying. That's it. No, because it's a living, breathing thing because you are a living, breathing person, just like your spouse and you guys are growing. So if you're not working on the relationship to make sure that connection remains, then both of you guys are going to grow apart.
1: 100%. I love how you put that And, and you're spot on. And I, and that, that distinction there, I think it's missed a lot. And you're right. Like they automatically, they take the word literal, like where are you going to prioritize? It's not about prioritization. It's more along those lines of like how do we align? It's more about alignment than prioritization. Like, where are we going to align to make sure that this marriage can flourish and the alignment, you know, knowing that you're going to align not first, because you've already done that upfront work with trust, of course, because she married you. Like, of course she trusts you, like you would hope. I mean, if you marry somebody you didn't like you don't trust them, then I, I don't know, man. That's a lifetime movie right there. So, (laughs) you know, but if you, if you, you've already established that with, so that's like, you can kind of check that you're like, do you trust me, but you know, probably in the dating for most part, when you're dating them, like you're not getting a lot of access to your, your, maybe you don't get a lot of access to the kids because of their, with the other parent, or, you know, I remember when we started dating, um, with our kids, We didn't introduce our kids as like boyfriend, girlfriend, because we didn't want to, we didn't want to, again, create more pain and more like, hey, I thought, I thought something was going to, you know, maybe that I really liked her and I wanted her to be my stepmom or vice versa. I really liked him. I want, and then it doesn't work out, you know, and during the dating phase, we were very careful even with that. Once we knew we established trust and we're like, hey, I think we can, there can be a future for us. Then we started bringing the kids into the fold, right? And we started establishing that. Over time, if, as that as that marriage um, kind of started, well, once that trust was established and we got married, I knew from my previous marriage, I was like, okay, I need to build trust with, with my stepdaughter. And that was where, you know, it's finding time, it's individual time, it's all this stuff that, sorry, it's all this individual time to really connect and understand like what matters. And at the time she was, she was four, she's now 15. So, um, and of course with every phase that we've gone through every five years, preteen teen, there's a different way that you're going to connect to make sure that, Hey, you're still there. Hey, I still care about what you're doing and that trust. And by the way, the trust doesn't stop just because I, okay, I think I'm good. Like you've got to keep building that trust because as the kids get older, they're also going into new phases of their life, new friends, new influences, new everything. Right. So their worldview changes. So you got to keep up. And you gotta, it's work. It's work. It's all work. Your marriage is work. You gotta be working on your 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 own kids, your stepkids, and never ends. If you really care about your family, you gotta treat it like it's the most important thing in the world and put the work into it.
0: I think what makes the difference is that intentionality that you mentioned. Because if you're intentional about it, then it's easier for you to do it than if you are just. Going at it by happenstance, um, and then so for you, what are some of the things that you and your wife do um, just to make sure that both of you guys' relationship I are being mean, strengthened? How do you guys, you know, go about maneuvering quality time, especially having a large family? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, so my wife and I, we built we built a business together. Now, I don't, I again, I don't recommend that for everybody. Because it takes a lot, and that is something I want to speak to a, a lot of the audience as well. Like, not here, but that is that's a heart for me too. Like, because I feel it's always you, we always think it's a good idea to go into business with your spouse because you're like, oh, I'm gonna spend all this time. But uh, I think the statistics are pretty high when when spouses go into business together. Like, divorce is it could be also higher because you don't ever disconnect from work and and like real life you know, stuff that's happening in the family. So we went through that journey early on. We built a business, we sold it, we did really well. So we were always together and that did help. It also created other challenges. How we were, how we maintained our commitment to each other and to our family was, um, we, we committed to communicating like a uh, weekly basis, doing family, we call them family huddles, family meetings weekly basis, family meetings, Uh, whenever the kids are, um, we date nights, of course, everybody talks about that, but like committing to those date nights, um, getting just alone time. Like when we put the kids down, that's our time to unwind and we'll watch a show. We'll hang out. We play, we play a little card game. Sometimes we just kick it. That's it. You know, just hang out and just kind of unwind, but we're intentional with it because the moment the kids go down, we know where we're doing I think the bigger message is this, like how intentional are you with your marriage? Not you, but the audience, like ask yourself honestly that question. And we all have room to improve there, I think. You know, it's not, we all wanna be, but there's probably areas where you're very unintentional. When I say unintentional, when you come home, are you, it's a very, um, not informed, it's a very informal, like you come home, you you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go sit down watch TV, but there's life happening around you, right? Kids are doing things. Your wife is might cooking or might be uh, working on a project in the office, whatever. Like, and you just kind of informally just set yourself aside and put yourself into a silo. And I've done that. And I said, hmm, interesting. Because what happens is when I came in and was very informal and unintentional, I felt like we were two ships in the night passing, you know, where all of a sudden, She's getting the kids ready for this. I'm wrapping something up. It's bedtime. We lay down go to bed. We don't even talk. And again, talk about gut check at the beginning. Like, where do you feel like something's off? Over time, it was like, huh, we're not even, we're not really talking right now about anything important. And I realized the root of that was being unintentional. And I would say informal with how I Went about coming home and interacting with my kids after a day of work. And that really started to kind of weigh on us. So we had to come together and said, Hey, okay, we got to commit to going back to the family meetings, going back to, um, we used to do like community groups, you know, at, for church. We would do um, the date nights again, right? So because sometimes you're all in, it's all gung ho, like New Year resolution, right? Oh, we're going to do it every week. And all of a sudden, Two months goes by and you're like, man, we haven't been on a date for like, for a minute. Like we gotta get out, we gotta go connect. Um, so that I think intention matters. And I think always checking yourself, like in being honest, like am I really being intentional right now? Because if I'm not, I need to start being intentional with how I interact with my, my, my wife, how I interact with my kids. And when you start becoming intentional and present, because in today's day and age with our phones and everything else, like we can lose like hours just scrolling through stuff. And we're like, what happened? Oh my gosh. Like the kids were, they were tapping on my shoulder. Hey dad, can you, I, I want you to see me play this game. And I'm over here and I'm scrolling because that's when I feel that like that's important. That's not being intentional and that's not being present. And I've, I've been guilty of it. I think a lot of parents are, you know, in this day and age, right? So how do we just check ourselves out of that, snap out of it and say, okay, you know what? I got to go connect with my kids, my spouse now. And then when you come, I would say when you come home, depending on your work-life situation, if you're at an office or you're coming home, have a plan for what that looks like when you come home. If you see your kids come home and like give them a hug, like make them laugh right when you come home. The power of just making them laugh the moment you come home and instead of walking in because your very demeanor could bring down the whole, think about how many times, I remember my father would come in after a bad day and we're playing and all of a sudden his face would be all like mad dog, but the whole tone, we, have the, we, we could change the energy of a room and we have to be cognizant of that because the joy, we're killing people's joy sometimes when we come home and if we set that tone, what do you think is gonna happen from that point to the point when you go to bed? what happens to intimacy? What happens to all that? Like it just, it, it, we drowned it and we kill it and we don't even know we're doing it. So being intentional from the moment you walk in your house and I would say, even if you don't want to, you don't want to laugh because you had a rough day. Like you got to get something like to where you change that state of mind to where there's joy in the house and there's peace because you've intentionally wanted that for you and your family. And then you see where life starts to change. You, before you know it, you're cooking dinner together with your spouse, you're, you're there, you're putting the kids together, you're laughing, you're enjoying each other and you're connecting intentionally because you created that that environment, not being reactive and allowing everything else in your world to create a, another environment that you're probably not happy.
0: It seemed like intentionality is the theme for this for this discussion. And I love the fact that you brought up, you know, date night and how a lot of us approach it as a new year's uh, resolution we're so excited we're like yes we're finally gonna do it we're gonna do date night every week or maybe twice a month and then after a couple of months it's like oh we haven't done it in a while and when you said that it made me think of a client that I worked with and her goal was to improve her relationship with her spouse and something that you know I told her that helped with her I just realized I haven't done it myself (laughs) was um, when it comes to the date night to be intentional about it to the point where you have it on your schedule. It is on your planner. the date, the time. If you guys even decide on a location earlier on, you know, what it is you're going to do, you write it on there. So that way, when somebody call you and say, Hey, I need you to do this, you know, this date or this time Um, you look at your planner, you're not just saying, okay, yes, I'm available because you don't even have your date night um, on your schedule and you've completely forgotten about it. But when you look at it, it's there. And then you get to decide like, oh, you know what, can we do it at a different time? Because, you know, I actually have something planned, you know, during this time. And that really made a huge difference for she and her husband when they started implementing that. And so now I think about it, I'm going to do that (laughs) because I don't have it on my planner.
1: (laughs) Planners, like, if it doesn't, there's that saying that goes, uh, if it's not on your, if it's not on the planner schedule calendar, it doesn't exist. Mm
0: -hmm. You
1: know, uh, it's true. And because it, you know, if I don't look at, I live by my calendar and if I don't see something on there, I assume I have open time and that's how, and then I'll use my open time for something else. You know, so I agree. Um, it's a reminder, I think, for everybody for you, for me, like being intentional, calendar meeting like it's a meeting, like we're gonna go and hang out, and I'm putting it on my calendar, you know. So, yeah.
0: yep, and you mentioned the thing with the cell phone, and I'm guilty of that doing that with my children too. And so, I've been a little bit mindful about that, but my spouse and I, he and I are actually working on it where when we get in the bed, that cell phones go to the side and yeah, that we're yeah. not on there scrolling and working because I work from my phone, he works from his phone too. Mm-hmm. And so that we're leaving work aside and you know we can just relax in bed. We can talk, watch movie, whatever it is. Instead of us, we're sitting next to each other but it's not quality yeah. time because we're really mm-hmm. not next to each other because our minds are somewhere else. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, And then, so for you, what are three tips would you give to a couple right now who, you know, they're really struggling and, you know, they feel like maybe the relationship isn't working because they feel like they might not know who they're with anymore because just because it might just be too much things going on outside and they're starting to forget why they even uh, fell in love with one another anymore. What would you, tips would you give them to help them?
1: So the three tips I would say is one, If you're at that point, or before you get to that point, make sure you surround yourself with a community of other like-minded couples. Maybe, you know, look in this day and age, we have forums, we have online groups. I mean, there's so much out there and I get it. Sometimes not both couples are gonna be all in. Like you might have the the husband's like, knows there's a problem, maybe the spouse, the wife doesn't want it. And I don't wanna be on a group or whatever and vice versa. Maybe the wife's like, hey, we need help. I don't want to. So whether it's a community or literally going, getting, I mean, there's a lot of good counseling out there. And if you're at that place, you probably need just kind of reset and figure out like, what is working in other marriages that are similar to ours? And how can we replicate that? That's a basic one. I think a second one is I go back to the, the, word, of the, the word of the day is intention being consistent and intentional with your engagements at home. And I would start with every week you commit to a family, I call them family huddles, there's a different variation of it or family meeting. And you commit to that every single week. And the way you do it is either a Sunday or a Monday. And that is your time to get together as a family and engage and have open communication conversations, talk about what matters to the family and make sure that you're holding everybody accountable to what matters moving forward from week over week over week. And what this could look like for you is, let's say it's a Sunday, you finally establish kind of what what the topics will be. You maybe make it fun, let's say, depending on the kids. And by the way, you can do this, doesn't matter, the kids can be as young as two um, and they can be engaging, okay? Uh, So it doesn't matter like, you're not gonna get much out of a two-year-old, but they're gonna be there and, and you wanna get them in a habit of understanding this time together and why it matters to the family. The older they get, the better, because then they're talking about some real stuff. I've had family meetings where, you know, my son was struggling and, you know, he's just breaking down, you know, and to see that as, as his father, and he's, you know, just talking about some of his struggles and challenges. He's not talking about that outside of like an environment that's like in, like we created. And you need to have that time to where people can open up and talk about where their struggles are and let the family feel that, that pain, let us all as a family carry each other's burdens, right. And be able to help each other. Cause once the family feels it together, there's unity there. And we can all come we can all rally around each other to make sure that everybody's going to be okay at the end. And then that, that goes back to the husband and wife. And then it's being vulnerable. It's, a, it's sharing the good, the bad, in a way that's appropriate, right, for for that for that time. And then documenting action items they're gonna walk out with for the week. For us, schedules are always a challenge. We have kids doing all these different things. So it's like, sometimes our kids will tell us something and we're like, like our 15 year old, oh, I'm doing that, and we don't know. And if we don't put it to your point, if we don't put it on a calendar, we're not gonna know. So, we calendar things there. We talk about like, hey, what help do you need this week? Oh, hey, I need I need help with this this week because it's due for here. And here, okay, perfect. We're taking we're holding each other accountable to helping each other level up every single week. Okay, so that's one. And then I think the last one is if you're at that point, it's really communicating, revisiting expectations, and having. If, if you're going to do a family meeting, it's great, but you probably need to schedule like a weekly, hey, we're going to go, it's a weekly coffee meeting and just catch up. Hey, what's going on? Let's talk about what, what's working in our marriage. What isn't? It's scary. It's scary sometimes to like expose ourselves to, because we know, we know when things are like, I know I'm not living to the best of my ability. I, I, I know I'm not. And if I say it, I actually know what my wife's going to say. And I don't want to hear it because it's, it's going to hurt, but you need to hear it. And we can't hide it because the more you kind of, we, sh- sh- you know, kind of stuff anything under a rug, the worse it is going to be for our marriage. And that's where divorces start happening because we never talked about it. We didn't get ahead of it and we weren't able to change. So you can't be afraid, afraid of change and afraid of growth. If you really care about your marriage, you've got to go all in. So setting a time aside, coffee, lunch, doesn't have to be a date. It can just be like, Hey, we're going to connect a walk. My wife and I, we walk in the mornings or walk at night. Uh, we do about an hour walk and we'll, the kids are home. They're being babysat. The older, you know, older kid watches, the young ones. And we'll go walk for an hour and we talk and that's where we connect. So finding time that's intentional to connect and talk about things that matter, it can be in a casual way, like walking, or it can be like, Hey, let's go and sit down have a coffee and like talk. I think is critical to uh, making sure that, your spouse knows that it's always a safe place to talk about things that matter. And then coming together to fix it, whatever the challenges are.
0: I love that. And especially your last point, because that's something that my husband and I do. And so I just want to add this on there for those who might be thinking about trying this. This is, is really good where you are sitting down with your spouse, whether it's formally or informally, and you guys are reflecting on what's working, what's not working. How can we improve? Um, go in there and, you know, be defenseless. Don't go in there and you have your walls up and then you ready, like you ready for war and they say something, you are ready to defend yourself. No, don't yeah. do that or let your walls down. Because whether what they say hurts your feelings or not, that's how they feel. And so that you're open heart, open mind, you're ready to accept what they say. Um, We do this. We don't have like a set schedule of how often we do this, but we do make sure that we check in with each other. So it could be something where you do a monthly check in. Um, you do a quarterly check-in, whatever you feel that will work for your family. Our last one was actually on our six-year anniversary. We went to dinner and while we were eating, you know, we reflected over the past six years, you know, things that we've been through, where we are now and where we want to be because we want to grow. And so within growing comes to you reflecting to analyze and see what's working and what's not working or else you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again yes. and you're just going to stay stuck in the same place so i love that you mentioned that
1: yeah yeah that's such i, I i'm glad you said that because that's so key that little piece right there gets overlooked because you do not ever want to go into that conversation with because you know you're going to hear some things that are going to they're going to sting and, and you know it because it's the truth it's the truth. Like the truth hurts sometimes. And you're like, so when you hear it, you you gotta be able to receive it. You gotta receive it. Cause it's the only way you can heal that inner because a lot of that stuff is insecurities. It's just stuff we're dealing with because we're human and we got past issues and lenses of how we filter the world. And it's just we're dealing with everybody's dealing with so much stuff internally. And if your spouse is saying it, you know it's coming from a place of love. You know, and I think to add to that there was my wife taught me a valuable lesson so she'll go on rants sometimes and you know what she'll say before she's like hey i'm just going to rant right now i I, just, I don't want any advice i just want to just tell you what's going on for me i'm like okay cool like all right now i know i'm not going to try to fix it cuz i'm the guy that wants to come in and just start fixing things let me tell you how powerful that is when you when you set the expectation right from the beginning even in a comment like that, like, Hey, I need some advice. Hey, when we're going on a walk, Hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to share some things with you. Hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking for it. I just need to really get off my chest. Like, I just want you to feel me and hear me out. That's it. Like I'm not looking for you to fix it. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. I've learned that from my wife to help me better communicate with her because she would go into those moments and I would try to fix it. And then it came from a place of like, look, I'm not looking, I'm just, I'm just here to just, I need you to hear me. I don't want you to, cause I go right into fixed mode. So I love, I love that. And I think having that open communication and knowing to your point, like you're not going in there to, because you know how those meetings can probably turn out. If you set up a, if you set up a coffee meeting or lunch and you're like, Hey, we're going to talk about where we're at. Like everybody's like, okay, I'm ready. like, I know what's coming. I know, I know I didn't do, I didn't make the bed five days. I know she's mad. And and I'm gonna be like, but I was busy and I couldn't get to the bed and whatever it is, right? So you do not want to go into those 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 situations because it's only gonna get worse. You gotta be okay to your point. Let your guard down and just receive it because it's coming from the, the probably the one person that loves you more than anybody, and that's your your wife or your husband, right? So um, anyhow, that's 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 powerful stuff, good stuff.
0: I love that point that you just made that what your wife thought you because um it comes with us teaching other people how we want to be loved and cared for yeah. because everybody, you know, is loved in different ways. Like how everybody have um, love languages, you know, everybody received love in a different way. And a lot of times we feel like we're supporting our spouse and we're doing the right thing because that's how we want to be treated but in our actuality, that's not what they're looking for. So in like your wife's case, she has a moment where she just want to just get it off her chest. Yeah. She's not necessarily yeah. wants the fixer to come in. Uh, so I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. And so it has been awesome talking to you. And I would like to know what type of services do you offer to stepdads right now? And how can they find you for your services if they need it?
1: Perfect. Yeah. So right now, we the, the biggest thing I'm helping stepdads with is creating, in essence, a, a intentional structured family huddle, family meeting. And I do that through familyhuddlechallenge.com. It's a five-day challenge. We put stepdads through where it's like for five days, 30 minute live sessions where we walk them through how to effectively do a family meeting, pretty much a family huddle so that they can take that and start building trust with their, with their kids primarily, with their spouses, and then be able to kind of use that as a foundation for future kind of uh, ways to build trust along the way. So that's just a starting point. After that, then there's some coaching sesh, uh, coaching kind of services I provide, one-on-ones, group coaching and so on. But that's a free, that's a free deal. The, uh, the family challenge. Uh, it's, it's a five day stepdad challenge. So familyhuddlechallenge.com is uh, where you know I do that about once a month. The next one's coming up on February 17th. Uh, it's usually Thursday through Monday. The goal is to, by Sunday, they're doing their first family meeting. And then with, I give them all the tools, everything they need to do it. And then the goal is that they carry that on, you know, week over week for the rest of family life right so uh because it's important to connect at that level um so those are the services so i'm i coach a stepdad i do i'm also a business consultant as well and i'm targeting um spouses uh primarily stepdad and spouses that are looking to go into business together uh, because we've done it and we've built you know seven figure plus businesses and we know what it takes to do it as a as a couple it's not easy but if you can prepare yourself well, we can kind of share our journey and our experiences and help other couples that are on that same journey to build a successful business, be able to make that happen for them and their families. So um, so yeah, so familyhuddlechallenge.com is a great place to start if anybody wants to get. Them.
0: Thank you so much. And I think your services are so awesome and so much needed because I even had stepmom reach out to me when I talked about family meetings and stuff in my post where they're asking, well, how do we do that? What's the strategy, you know, behind that? So I love that you are doing that. Thank you so much for being on here. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Winnell. Have a great day. I appreciate you.